uh, coaches lose sight at times that you know they're trying to teach kids how to do things and they're breaking them down and they forgot to build them back up. You might be smarter, your daddy might own a company, but you will not outwork me. This one right here is for the people. I'm your host, Ryan J. Owens, current pro athlete, entrepreneur, and former USA national team volleyball player. I will not be defined by my athleticism alone, but I've learned how to leverage it, to stay passionate about it, and prepare for life. That's why the Beyond Athletic podcast was born. I'll bring you case studies of current and former elite athletes making it happen in life, as well as tips and lessons from top sources in sports, nutrition, fitness, entrepreneurship, and more. I'm here to tell you that you are Beyond Athletic. Welcome back, you guys. Today's guest is Russ Rose. Russ was born in 1953. He's an American author, professor, and he's a volleyball coach at Penn State. Up until 2015, he actually has a winning record of over 0.865, I think. I think now it might be a little bit higher, but I had the joy and pleasure of spending time with Russ this past summer when a good friend and past podcast guest, Arielle Wilson, was on. That's episode 15 if you want to go check it out. She was a student athlete of Russ's and while I was there I got to meet Russ's wife Lori and one of their sons. Lori was a three-time All-American at Penn State and Russ has gone on to be the winningest coach ever in the history of everything at Penn State in terms of athletics and it's actually his winning percentage there is the highest in NCAA history. And just to name out some of the things that he's done, he was American Volleyball Coaches Association National Coach of the Year in 82. Uh, He's won that five times. No other coach has gotten more than two. He was inducted into the ABCA Hall of Fame in 2007, was named Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year six times in seven years, and was named Big 10 Coach of the Year 14 times. So he's had a ton of conference championships. He's had several national championships. And it's just an incredible honor to have sat down with this guy at one of his camps. He runs Volleyball Express Camps with Lori. They put so much time and effort into these. And this is a coach who really just coaches to leave impact. So more than just winning, he wants to impact. And I think you get that when you hear Ariel Wilson's episode, when you hear him speak. Now he talks about training when no one's looking. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, make sure you share it. And when you do, make sure that you just tweet out why you liked it and think of one person to share that with. Anyways, enjoy the show. Today we're here with Russ Rose at Juniata College in Pennsylvania. And just wanted to, before we get into the interview, talk a little bit about kind of how you got into coaching and obviously how it's gone. Take it away. Well, I went to, to college to get into coaching. I went to George Williams College and I was going to go into uh, coaching basketball. And it just happened to be a great volleyball school. So I got into the volleyball segment and uh, was very fortunate that my mentors were Jim Coleman and 
Terry Miscavige and Jerry Angle, and it was just a great opportunity for uh, somebody to learn about a, a great sport. And, uh, you know, it's been a love affair for, you know, about 40 years now. And uh, speaking of the people that you mentioned, I mean, we're probably going to get into this, and everybody that's listening to Beyond Athletic probably knows by now, I think mentorship plays a huge role in life in general, and that it's a two-way street between the mentor and the mentoree. How how is that for you with these gentlemen that you mentioned, and anyone else? Well, I mean, probably the, the greatest gift that a mentor can offer a mentee is to never be judgmental and just be available to answer their questions and give them a little guidance and try and give them direction in an area where they where they might be uh, questioning what the next move should be. So I, I was especially fortunate with, with uh, Jim Coleman and that he was that way for everybody. Uh, and, you know, he had an incredible network of people that were always coming to George Williams College in Downers Grove, Illinois. Uh, future national team coaches uh, all around the world were attending these uh, his summer camp coaching clinics. And so it was, it was just really a great place to pick up tips and, and have a feel for the game. And more important, how to always be willing to give back to others as you progress. Well, what I want to do is get into, I want to give athletes some tips and tools really to get from, let's say, the high school to college, make it through college all right, and then if they choose, go on to play pro. And I think it's kind of perfect because here we are at Volleyball Express Camps that you've been doing for how many years? Oh, I don't know, 30-something years, I don't know. And the age group has always been? Uh, it's it's always been, you know, uh, about eighth eighth graders into uh, high school, and we've even had some college kids over the years uh, come back for training. Awesome. So let's just talk about the top mistakes that you think some of the college recruits might make, things that they overlook or maybe they focus too much on. Well, I mean, I think high school players don't don't really understand how hard college athletics can be depending on where you elect to play. I think there's levels of play for everyone and some levels are, are not that not that challenging and therefore uh, a kid who's not committed to come in and navigate being a student athlete and not have any any questions along the way where you know when you start getting into programs that want to compete for conference and national championships, the expectations of the personnel that they try to recruit, and then the expectations of the players once they arrive, is is consistent with with trying to get yourself into a position to to really be good. So I think not really knowing the level of play that you can play uh, is a big challenge for younger players. I think another challenge for younger players is they just don't they don't get um, that. You know that it's competitive, and every day is competitive, and every drill matters, and everything matters. It's not just, uh, you know, I was really good in high school, so I'll be really good in college. There's really no transfer. 
for transfer is either either you want to be great all the time and every drill matters and every contact matters, or you're going to find yourself some point in time uh, sitting on the bench because mm-hmm. the person who's playing in front of you has a little different attitude about the sport. Yeah. And you've had some international recruits over the years, and I know I've been focused on trying to help a lot of international girls in particular get over here because sport and school are totally separate abroad. And what's your experience with them coming in as freshmen as opposed to Americans coming in as freshmen? Well, I don't, I don't have a lot of experience with internationals uh, coming, coming to Penn State, but we'll have more as we, as we move into the future because I think the landscape of college recruiting is changing. So I think it's going to be uh, a lot more athletes from around the world looking to uh, get an education and still have the ability to play for their their country. But I think, you know, to me, the, the internationals usually come in and they're way better students than, uh, than we might expect them to be. And then the the biggest challenge for our players when they want to go play internationally is adapting to the fact that you're, you have to be a professional. That you better watch what you eat, better watch what you drink, you better get your rest, you better train hard, you better train often, because there's a, a number of people out there that want your position. And for them, it might be a matter of life and death, where for you, it's just, oh, I'm going to play college, and then I think I'm going to play pro for a little bit. And then, hey, that, that's not it, man. These, you know, the best the best people in professional sports, whether it's volleyball or the major sports in America, these, these people are on a full-time commitment to be the best they can be all the time. Awesome. So what would you say that you think, because the way, what I see when I, I'm always leaving and Obviously, since 2002, I've spent pretty much 90% of my life abroad. And so every time I come home, I kind of get this like time warp of what's been happening and the direction things have been going. And I noticed for sure, and now it's mainstream, that over-specialization and all these overuse injuries is a big deal. And people are seeing more and more that it's hurting young athletes. What would you say are some of the most overlooked skills for players or yeah, coming in as freshmen? Is that changing? Are they more specialized, or uh, I mean, I think the I think you pointed out a really important thing about in this country the kids play way too much. They play in these convention centers. They're playing on cement uh, to facilitate the business side of sport. And you know, there's very few kids that come into college that aren't nursing some injury that they picked up in their youth sport experience. So, you know, what, what I would hope would happen is that at some point in time uh, we, we get a little more balance in what we need to do. And, but but certainly once the players advance to a higher level, the, the top people are aware of every aspect of stretching, diet, and nutrition, and, you know, whatever sort of rest they, they really need to, mm-hmm. to take. So, you know, but I think different different pockets of, uh, of of society is more aware of that than others. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned something that I know I'm working on a lot with the program I told you with Elite Squared, Elite Sports Students, where we're trying to go in and just 
hopefully get schools, coaches, teams to start focusing more on a foundation of health being like physical, psychological, emotional, social. And I think going to a four-year school, it's one of those little organisms where you can really find the support that you need as a player to grow. So I'm sure you have some kind of mentorship thing that you set up, whether it's intentional or whatever. But how is that here with the older girls as opposed to the incoming freshmen? Well, certainly the college system in this country provides a, a real good skeleton uh, on how to put it together where you have the older players working with the younger players. And some sports that maybe doesn't happen very much as say as an example in basketball because the younger you know the younger players are opting to leave to go professional before they even become older players. But I, I find in a lot of the college uh, team sports that you know we really benefit by by expecting the older players to provide some guidance and show the direction to the younger players instead of showing the shortcuts on on how to avoid doing uh, doing things. So, but you know, in the United States, for sure, the college systems we have access to nutritionists and sports scientists, and so many. Uh, people are established in the university to make sure things work out great for them that even some professional teams don't have that. You know, you have mm -hmm. sports physiotherapists, you have massage therapists, you have so many things now that college athletes have. And sometimes I think it's overkill that it's more than they deserve and need, but uh, certainly there's a, there's a good benefit to be gained by by the athletes that really take advantage of all of the opportunities that they have to get better, to get direction, to get healthy. Those are the things I think that makes a difference. Yeah. And I noticed something just before we move into kind of the college to pro, let's say, transition, because I know you've had a lot of pros come out of Penn State, including Ariel, who's the reason why I'm here. But... Uh, have you always been doing, for instance, in Volleyball Express, I noticed that you have little seminars and talks that you're going to have pretty much every night with these young high school students. Do you do something similar? And would you recommend something similar for a program for kids or, yeah, kids basically coming out of college, transitioning to the real world and professional careers in sport? Well, I've always done it for for the camps here. And... And to me, it's just uh, giving them some advice on things that I know could be beneficial, and yet I know the kids are just sitting there, they want to just order pizza and have a good time, and they want to go uh, take a shower, and they're tired. And, uh, but, but there's usually a couple of kids that are sitting there taking notes, and those are the ones that I think get a little better handle on the information that's provided. But certainly, uh, you know, Everybody can teach a kid how to serve. Everybody can teach kids skills. But, you know, I think what separates programs sometimes is when you try and uh, work on the whole the whole person and you try and give them some uh, advice on other areas, their development, that can, can give them a shot. Because not everybody's going to be a tall, well-skilled outside hitter. You know, you might be a little, you might be a back row player. You just need a you know, somebody to fire you up and get you to understand that hey, that's an important skill. If you could be the 
best server, the best passer, the best defensive player, then there's going to be some school that's looking for that. And then if you can find some, you know, find a good match. But, you know, I want the kids to empower themselves to know that, you know, they need to represent themselves. It's really not about their parents uh, doing that for them. So self-actualization and all that good stuff. So what's most commonly what you find? I mean, because you have so many players, like we talked about, that are national team and I go pro. What would you say are the pros and cons kind of most things you've heard of from them on both sides, pro and con, after they've gone pro? Well, I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of players, whether it's the national team or some of their professional teams that they're involved in, they can get caught up in the politics. You know, our, our program, the best players want to play. So if you're a freshman and you can beat out a senior, that's a problem for the senior. It's not a problem for me. And you know, my my experience is a lot of times the players, whether it's the national team or the professional team, is sometimes that uh, you know there's already some predetermined uh, situations in place that it's going to be really tough for for them to navigate. You know, they're never going to get a chance because the coaches. Uh, already has it in their mind that this is who should be playing, and but you know that's life, and nobody said it was going to be fair, and you know if that if that's not the place for you, then you got to find another place to play. If it's the national team, then it's a problem because you know you can only play for one national team. So you know those individuals have to recognize that you know maybe their career path coincided with somebody who's a little better than them at that at that time. You know. Mm-hmm. We look at the NBA players that didn't get a chance to win uh, the world championship because it coincided with Michael Jordan's run of, of being a dominant professional athlete. So that happens sometimes in college. So, you know, I always say to the players, you got to find a way to be relevant. You know, you have to get your game such that, you know, there's something about you that the other people have to have in their life. Yeah. I love that. Uh, find a way to be relevant, and I think that might be a great title for this whole topic. But um, let's move into what questions, because questions are really important. And I know you mentioned this today about what you're going to say in your seminar to the parents and everyone. But uh, I find a lot that people ask the wrong questions often. And I'm sure a lot of people come to you seeking answers. So what would you say for players specifically are the questions they're not asking, but they should be? Well, I think players should really, they just have to find out the level of play that they're at. Then after they figure out what level they're at, they have to figure out if what's important to them. Would you rather be at a school where you're not going to play, but you have a chance to compete for a championship, or do you want to be at a school where you're playing? And you don't really care how the team does because you're just happy you're playing. So I, I, I don't even know if it's asking the right questions. I think it's, you know, the, the people I think in life who advance the furthest are really good listeners. I don't always think they're asking the best questions. I think they're the best listeners. There's a lot of answers out there, and you don't even have to ask the question. You know, if you're alert to what's being discussed around you, you're observant to what's happening, you can pretty much predict what the outcome's going to be. 
And if you were giving some advice to young coaches out there, because one of my goals is to help young, especially international, but also coaches here in America, just build better programs, especially the ones that have schools separated. And there's some initiatives from coaches, for instance, uh, do you mind if I mention his there's some coaches in countries like Serbia from teams like Red Star, which is a Servana Zvezda, and they, their basketball program specifically. There's a guy trying to lobby to get money, to get the kids tuition money, and that's not common. So what things would you advise young coaches abroad to be focusing on, not just on the court, so that they can enhance their players' lives and make them into what you were saying, working on the whole person? Well, I mean, it's tough because, you know, if you're a national team coach or you're a coach in a foreign country, you're going to be judged by the development of the players you have. And, you know, if there's a professional league or the national team, you want you want your players to advance and be well-received. So the problem is... In a lot of the countries, they don't want the kids to leave. They don't value education because maybe they don't have a college education. It doesn't College education doesn't guarantee you're going to be successful, but I would just say there's a lot of great opportunities for international students to attend school in the United States and still enhance their, their sporting activities as well as prepare themselves for the future when they're no longer playing sport. Yeah. So that's that's really the opportunity. But, you know, I, I, I can't really give advice to pro coaches because I know in different countries they're probably under different uh, different lines of communication. You know, when we, when we took our team on a foreign trip to Cuba, we didn't get access to the top players. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kept the top players away. They didn't want anybody telling them that, Really, this is a college team, and you guys only practice a couple hours a day, and you get free tuition, a room and board, and a place to live, and books, and food, and you get all these things. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, you know, we're training nine hours a day and get nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I can I can see why the system mm-hmm. wants to keep some things separate, but you know, it's you know, there's a lot there's a lot of players around the world that could really benefit from the opportunities to to matriculate in the United States, but you know, whether it's volleyball or another sport, they can all do it. So I know you said that things are changing a bit, the landscape for collegiate volleyball. Would you think that in the future it could be something possible that you, when you are recruiting, and the coaches, perhaps if it's not yourself going abroad, um, that they should be maybe giving back and educating some of the younger coaches over there in order to create some kind of relationship so that they're not worried that those kids are going to go abroad and stay abroad. I mean, we talked about Sonia, who we both know. And uh, I know that's one of the things that she knows everybody over there is worried about most is that the kids leave and they don't want to come back. But if there is some kind of bond built and building up both programs, it would be beneficial. Yeah, I mean, you could do a various exchange program where members of that club come and, and that does happen. I mean, I did a clinic a few years back where uh, coaches from China came to the clinic. Uh, I did a clinic a number of years ago where I went to Italy and where I was, uh, was doing a clinic for coaches. But I, I really think it's 
every country's different and you know everybody's a really territorial and that you know i don't want i don't want player x to do this because she's going to leave and if she leaves i'm in trouble because she was my player you know that's the the defection syndrome of the cubans uh that we see here or yeah. you know i was on tour many years ago at the top when when usa and russia were the top two teams in the world and there were a lot of KGB on the trip, making sure that uh, you know the Russian guys didn't have a chance to make a run for it. And yeah. They knew it, and we knew it, and that, you know there was very, very limited conversation for the outsiders. Uh, you know, I and mean, certainly the top players were able to communicate uh, because they'd already developed a mutual respect over years of competing against each other. But it was uh, it was an interesting thing to see uh, in play. Yeah. And uh, so let's move a little bit more into kind of your style and, and how you have built up everything that you've built over the years here at Penn State. And I think habits and rituals play a big part in that, in repeating things and keeping it going. So what would you say some of your more important habits are and rituals on a daily basis or season by season? Uh, I mean, I think every play matters, and, and the players have to have to know to play hard, and they have to play together, and, and they have to have fun when they're doing it. And for some people, that uh, you know, you can lose them along the way. But you know, I think the most important thing is, you know, if the, if the kids know you care, it doesn't you can't work them too hard because they know you care. And, and that's maybe one of the challenges with coaching is. Uh, coaches lose sight at times that you know they're trying to teach kids how to do things and they're breaking them down and they forgot to build them back up. So you, know, you have to continue to always monitor uh, the development of your of your players and, uh, and hope that you know hope that they get it. You know, not everybody can go to the top five percent and earn a scholarship and. Even fewer kids have a chance to go from college volleyball to playing on the national team and professionally. But you hope the kids that have a chance to do it embrace it and really go after it hard. All right, well, let's move into the last little section. We'll call it like a toolbox. But uh, I just want to pick out a few things that you feel have made you become, you know, or made you successful, kept you successful in terms of your idea of success. And uh, I guess before we do that, what would you define as your definition of success? Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, from a from a coaching standpoint, you know, success is getting people to do things that they don't start the day wanting to do. I think players' success might be reaching their potential as as athletes. Teams might value success that they're better than the sum of the parts that make up the group but you know I, I, I look at it as you know, I want the players that, that play for me to to feel good about their experience that they were treated fairly that they had an opportunity to get better they had an opportunity to play at the highest level and, and that the university was as committed to them as we asked the players to be to each other and the community. 
And then dealing with sport, what would you say is one resource or tool that you kind of have as a favorite thing to go to to help you do what you do every day? Well, I mean, it's about it's about your players having an opportunity to pursue their dreams. Never about me. So it's it's really about it's about them being uh, in that small window of time because their assumption is that they have way more time than they really do. You know, a college career it's three and a half months, four times. That's it. So. You know, they might be getting a two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars scholarship for you know fifteen months of work. So they're gonna have a hard time getting that salary when they get out of college. So you know, what I what I want is you know, I want those kids to uh, to be able to focus, to dream big, and and to feel good about their experience. Some do, and we always have some kids that complain no matter what. And what's a, a book? Relating to life or sport that you would say is kind of a must read. I mean, I read a, I read a book of, every week to ten days. So, so let's uh, let's for so sure let's split it up. So I'm filled <laughs> with way too many too many books. But I would say one of the more recent reads that was really good was Legacy, and it was about the rugby, the Blacks rugby team. I thought mm. it was really put together well. The All Blacks. Talking about uh, what it takes to represent the jersey and uh, to develop to be the best they could be. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And the last thing, just to give people, if we're going to sum up everything, what would be your advice to coaches out there and then to players? Well, I think coaches need to work hard. They need to get people around the program that can help the athletes achieve their goal because it's not always possible for if I have 20 players not all 20 of them are going to relate to me the best some of them are going to relate better to some other individuals in the program so it's important that you have uh, you have people in your program that can do that and, you know, and for players it's it's about working hard. It's about working when you're sore and when you're tired. And you know the greatest, the greatest athletes produce the greatest results when they're training and nobody knows they're training. Train because you know you have to, not because somebody told you to do it. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Russ, for the time and. Uh... We'll stay in touch about everything, and I hope that you do really well with your new import from Serbia. I watched her personally. She is really good. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure that you share this out with your friends. Beyond Athletic also can only get better with your advice, your comments, your wisdom. So if you like what we're doing, make sure you leave a review in iTunes. These reviews are going to help me tailor the show, plus the team of people that are working with me, athletes, to make it better so that everybody can learn more and also be able to share this out more often. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, make sure you subscribe in iTunes or on the site.
So now I'm up in the courts, pleading my case from the witness box. Telling the judge and the jury the same thing that I said to the cops. On the day that I got arrested, I'm innocent, I protested. She just feels rejected. Had a heart broken by someone she's obsessed with. So she likes down on my knees. What we do in life echoes in eternity. I'm going to show you how great I am. And this concludes our Chicago show. Please stay tuned. <laughs>